I couldn't be religious and gay. It was impossible. I was being marketed as some sort of like teenage it girl. When a girl kissed me on my 18th birthday, a whole other world opened up to me. I was a minor nuisance. Eight Australians will tell you about the choices that have led them to unexpected places. These are some of the stories you will hear on Let Me Tell You, a podcast where real people tell incredible real stories. Look for Let Me Tell You and follow wherever you get your podcasts. We have so much to look forward to with our beautiful girls. Yes, we do. Do you worry about that? About what? Their future. You don't own me. I'm not your property. So take a shift and it'll be the eyes of me. So, what are we going to do with you? Welcome to Eyes on Gilead, a weekly podcast dedicated to The Handmaid's Tale. There is a lot going on in this show, and we think it helps to talk it out after every episode drops on SBS and at SBS On Demand, and we hope you agree. I'm Fiona Williams, and I manage our online coverage of movies and TV here at SBS, and I'm joined by my colleagues and fellow resistors, Natalie Handley, Managing Editor of SBS Live. Hi. Hello. Heidi Island, Content Programmer for SBS On Demand. Hi. Hello. And... In a triumphant return from the colonies, <laughs> Sanaka Da. Hello. Hello. It's so nice to be back. I missed you guys. Have you, have you been protesting Gilead in Canada? Oh, my God. All up and down Toronto. Yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> and you've been watching as well in I your have. overseas journey. And listening and loving it. And it's been interesting to be a listener rather than a, a partaker. <laughs> <laughs> so we have just watched episode 13, which mm. is unlucky for some, but mostly for us because it's the uh, finale. And it's also not that great for Serena, I guess. <laughs> um, but I digress. And it's called The Word. So quick uh, synopsis of this one. So the death of Eden last week has shed new light on her character and her loss causes the women of Gilead to consider the legacy that they're going to be leaving behind for the next generation of Gilead girls. Also, Emily learns more about her new commander. And Aunt Lydia gets way more than she bargained for when she pays Emily a house call. The Marthas of Gilead have their epic moment, and I'm not crying, you're crying. (laughs) Um, And in the final moments of season two, June faces a difficult decision. Yes. So there is a lot going on in this one. Let's get into it. Sana, what did you make of this one? What's your standout moment? Well, my standout moment, it has to be June telling Fred to fuck off or go fuck himself. I thought that was fantastic. (laughs) That was so good. Go fuck yourself, Fred. And what we've been waiting, I think, probably all season to say to Fred. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. It's good. Heidi, what was your one? My highlight was June showing Nick how to hold the baby. It was such a normal but beautiful moment of new parenthood but it was so special because it was like a fantasy moment for them yeah. it was like in the, in the other episode where they're talking about running away to Maui it mm. was like their yeah. moment to just be a normal family together so that was my highlight yeah Natalie what about you I actually liked a lot of the humor that was in this episode like there was a lot going on and yeah. there was a lot of drama and tenseness but there was also some great one-liners and um Janine, our favourite Janine, oh. and actually um, one of my favourite ones, which was... Oh, tequila. I miss you most of all. <laughs> and I just really like imagining Janine in a different non-Gilead life just writing herself off. <laughs> As a crazy college girl or something. Yeah. <laughs> 
and a child's birthday. No oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> seven-year-old's birthday. <laughs> um, and for me, this one, it's a Fred moment, not a great one. It's when all the wives show up at the Gilead, I guess, Congress or whatever we Parliament, want to call it. Congress, Parliament, Congress, yeah. Yep, that. And afterwards he has that classic patronising Fred moment of, we appreciate your interest in our work. (laughs) And for me, it harked back to uh, a couple of episodes ago, saying to June and Serena after they'd run Gilead in his absence, he he thanked them for helping out. And yeah, it was just, for me, it's a bit triggering of just just a patronising man in a workplace. Just that, you know, women help out rather than do work. Yeah, Yeah. 100%. And the line before that from someone was always to Commander Waterford, oh, did your wife forget your lunch? Which is so like, shut up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was a, what else? I was a seething when that line came out. <laughs> yeah, not cool. Yeah, exactly. So there are key moments, but yeah, let, let's get into this enormous finale episode. So we open it, Rita and Juna washing Eden's things after she very dramatically left us last week. And the idea of legacy is very much permeating throughout this episode. It's mm. like, what do you leave behind when, mm. when you die in Gilead or when you leave? Not even your body. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like June says the line, all we leave behind is the uniform. Mm. And yeah, you don't get buried. Yeah, it's quite a horrifying end, really. Like that, your body gets used to feed this to feed the stock or something. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Well, only if you're a heretic, I assume. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because uh, there is nothing not disturbing about Gilead, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, that will make it creepy for every step of the way. Like, <laughs> yeah, right until the bitter end. Yeah, mm. yeah, no question. I guess all you leave all behind is your lives. uniform and the label you were given while alive. So she's running through all the various labels of I don't know what was it, bitch, heretic. Yeah, like she's, she starts off by kind of listing the roles that women are assigned, like wife, handmaid, Martha, and then I think she starts rattling off the labels you're given when you don't conform, so things like bitch, criminal, sinner, mm-hmm. heretic, and then she ends on prisoner, which is kind of like her, is. Self, her self-identified label. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what she is in Gilead and, and what all women are in Gilead, really. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was interesting because in previous episodes, you know, that people saying their names and claiming their identities has been so powerful. Mm-hmm. And here it's stripping that back and, and all that Gilead remembers you as is not your name and not your individuality. It's what label you performed or yeah. what role you yeah. performed. And elsewhere in the episode, Fred does have that line, which I think he says to June in the kitchen in that memorable scene we'll get to. But, you know, we all have our roles to play mm-hmm. and Serena needed to be reminded of hers. So, yeah, it's very much know your place. Yeah, or know your place if you're a woman. Well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's, what's if place? you're Fred, you can you can make all sorts of exceptions behind the scene. But yeah, yeah. Exactly. no, not if you're a woman. That um, monologue by June actually reminded me of a song from the '90s, I think, by Meredith Brooks, which was "I'm a bitch, I'm a lover, I'm a child, I'm a mother." <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, yeah. And that song was a really big deal at the time. You know, it was kind of like a feminist anthem, mm. and so that sort of felt yeah, like that it was, was like back. a reclaiming of all those titles, the labels you're yeah. given all those by labels, yeah. others. Yeah, it's like that's probably the only song they don't use in this episode. There's quite a lot of music elsewhere. In it. It's <laughs> kind of weird music. they didn't actually use that one. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I listened to an interview with Elizabeth Moss, and she said that when she's trying to find her way into her character, the first thing she finds is the music. 
Oh, right. Really? Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. So that could very well have been a song <laughs> which could have helped her find June. Some like, music that she would be listening to? or Yeah. Right. So. That's interesting. <laughs> so in this one, it does have a lot more music than usual. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Weirdly upbeat music. Very much, yes. <laughs> Jarring um, music. Yeah. yeah. Emily, when she has that non-ceremony with her new commander, we hear Ichiku Park playing throughout his big rambling empty house, which is weird. It's yeah. all too beautiful. It which is. is not. It's all miserable. <laughs> it's not at all. Yeah. And that song repeats that yeah. line over and over. Then there's Annie Lennox walking on broken glass in mm. another weird moment where yeah. Emily doesn't know what the hell's going yeah. on, but he's having a great time <laughs> with minus yeah. music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we finish with uh, Burning Down the House. Nice little end yeah. series. All those songs are like, like the songs they pick are always amazing. And in this episode, again, they're like really good, but um, it's all too beautiful. Like that sort of song always makes me feel happy and it's kind of weird hearing it. And it just, again, as you said, Sana, it just has that jarring effect. Yeah. It always sort of, the music when they play it during the episode always seems to sort of make you feel unsettled. Mm. Whereas mm. the song at the end always sort of wraps it up nicely. Say in movies, when they use a really obvious music cue, it pisses me off. But oh, I right. think here it's used more winkingly. And I, yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. Whereas, yeah. We're in on the mm. joke. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Some movies it's just, oh, all right, we get it. But here it's far more winking. And I think for this episode, sort of the theme of the season has been resist sister. Mm. And I think we really saw that start to happen here with Serena getting the wives together to mobilize for action, going to the husbands with the Martha sort of organizing to get some of the Mm. handmaids out. Mm. We're sort of seeing resist sister really come into its own in this one, I think. Yeah, Yeah. finally, I kind of think. I was waiting for a massive moment of resistance and sort of the bomb in one of the earlier episodes was a big moment. An actual bomb, yeah. Yeah, and I was kind of wondering what they would bring for the finale because... The theme has been resist and I kind of felt a bit let down by it. Like I haven't seen enough of it. Like it's yeah. like yeah. well, we've all been survival. Like June has been surviving. We've seen some attempts at resistance, but they've all failed so exactly. far. So we've yeah. had the terrorist attempt with the explosion, which failed. <laughs> and then we've had the period of time when Serena and June were together writing laws and mm-hmm. security papers for Gilead. And that's mm-hmm. its own form of resistance. But then that also petered out when mm-hmm. Fred returned to the house. So sort of been building up with these attempts and now in the final episode we, we sort of see everything coming together. Although I guess, I mean, Serena's attempt in this episode kind of failed as well. It backfired in her losing <laughs> a finger. It didn't really get what she wanted. But I did kind of like that everyone sort of resisted because like yeah. even Serena and she also rounded up the wives, the Marthas with their massive act of resistance, mm. Nick with his little act of resistance, June with hers. I kind of, I kind of felt like this resistance moment I was waiting for was not necessarily a bomb, but I kind of liked that it was nearly every single woman in Gilead. That's kind of yeah, what I felt right. like. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Rita, <laughs> Rita <laughs> was yeah the linchpin in this one, and the Marthas particularly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They found their own way to resist across the backyards of <laughs> the commanders yeah. and yeah, the wives. Right. It's yeah. incredible, and the idea of leverage as having a reason to bargain and and just get something out of this, I think, comes across in this episode. It's Lawrence who says when he can't find his Martha and um, he makes the joke of how am I supposed to motivate employees when I can't leverage salaries. I love that line. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's it's a great reminder that everyone's a slave. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's not paid But also that actually kind of struck me as strange because I'm like, if you created the colonies, you created this slavery system, so where are you getting off talking about (laughs) wanting wages and sort of, you know, leverage and that kind of thing? Yeah, he's just kooky that way. Um, (laughs) But that idea of leverage does kind of cut across as well because you're seeing all that in these negotiations across. Mm -hmm. Like Serena thinks she's got leverage by showing up at the Congress and she thinks this act will have the desired outcome, Mm -hmm. backfires spectacularly for her. You see Fred using access to Hannah 
as a mm. means of leverage with June to try and get her to stay mm-hmm. and be his mm. plaything or Scrabble partner or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. In that kitchen scene, and they're always awkward kitchen scenes, the way that they were moving the tray with the teapot yeah. on it, it just felt like moving of chess pieces to oh, me. It was right. so deliberate and I thought, this is just strategy. That's interesting. Yeah, right. it was like one-on-one. They were both they were both doing it against each other, trying to find their way, and he huh. was really trying to hold Hannah over yeah. her to mm. try and keep his handmaid in the house. And that's when she said that amazing Go line, Donna. <laughs> yeah, we were just like, yes, finally. Although, you know, yeah, he, finally. Didn't, he didn't really respond to that or flinch at all. He just sort of carried on being... Bit of a dick, really. Yeah. He didn't care what she said. I think for her, for once, she actually wasn't playing a game. You know, she was. She had finally had had enough, and she was just calling it as she was seeing it. Mm. Really, yeah. You could see her holding it back, like it was <laughs> chewing on the words "go fuck yourself." But then yeah. eventually, it's like, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here it comes. But yeah, but tellingly, like he did sort of brush it off. Whereas earlier in the episode, he smacks her like he gives yeah, her an enormous right. slap. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Whereas here, he just brushes it aside and. Like in that moment, you're not sure what he's going to do, but it's their private moment. I don't think he's lost face in any way. Whereas earlier when he does physically assault her, mm. it's on the back of the scene with Eden's dad. Mm. And, you know, oh God, he, right. he feels that, you know, he can't con- quote unquote control his women and he's feeling ashamed and it's all about him, obviously. Yeah. And I think that's part of lashing out on June. So I think that's why he just... He's more casual when she tells yeah, him to go right. fuck himself. You but know? how think, epic mm. was that slap? I mean, oh, yeah. oh yes. my goodness, yes. go June. But also, like, how many lives do you have? How many ways can you sort of, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know, push the boundaries here? But yeah. it's interesting that you hear in that moment, out of his pure anger, what he really thinks about women. The mouth of a woman is a deep pit. He that falls therein will suffer. You are the misery of all men. All of you. And later on in the kitchen, I think when he's going to the fridge or something, he says, God, God send me an, an obedient, obedient woman. woman. <laughs> <laughs> but even though he has said that, he really likes June. He wants to keep her around. You he know. likes the push and pull a bit. Yeah, maybe? he likes having a smart sort of feisty woman in the house. Someone who is strong so that when he does control them, he feels even more powerful. You yeah. know, that's just how messed up he is. Exactly. We're talking about also how the various groups of women in Gilead are resisting in this episode, so the Marthas and the wives and the rest. But what struck me about Serena's scene in the Congress Parliament, whatever, was it made me think of the kind of criticism that's often levelled against contemporary feminism in that it's often very concerned with the issues affecting upper middle class women to the detriment of issues that would affect working class women. And here we have Serena not asking for all women to be able to read or the rape of certain groups of women to end <laughs> simply <laughs> for her own daughters. Exactly. Yeah. To start, you know, be for able all to the read. things for her to agitate for across the entire season, like yeah. the only thing that motivated her was her own daughter. Exactly. And that's, um, I think it goes back to Fiona's point, though. Everyone's kind of been backed into a corner in Gilead. Mm. People like Serena have made their bed and now they have to lay in it. And they're all backed into corners and they've just got these few chess pieces that yeah, they right. can move within their sphere of influence and that's their power play and yeah maybe uh serena isn't up to date on her intersexual feminism (laughs) (laughs) but this is but this is the only sphere of influence she thinks she can have some sway in but it also harks back to like everything we see in sort of public discourse all the time which is even in like music recently that has like come out where it's like 
men only can understand women's rights once they have a daughter of their own. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, you know, or it's as a father of three daughters (laughs) and a husband of a wife and a son of a mother. And it's like, how about just because women are people? Yeah. You know? Like it just sort of drives you crazy. And there is like, you know, Serena sort of epitomizing that really. Yeah, goodness. We can't read. Our daughters must read. Mm. And uh, let's backtrack a little to what prompted that. Eden. The revelations. Uh, You know, our perfect Gilead citizen. (laughs) Could read. That puts paid to a theory yeah, I had that yeah. she may not have been able to read mm. those letters. Cop to that. Yeah, she was making notes in the margins of the Bible. Mm-hmm. So that's a nice revelation. That, I yeah, feel so I, sad about Eden. Yeah, <laughs> me too. That was a terrible end. Me too. Sad slash guilty. Yeah, <laughs> yes, so we all did sort of pile on Eden. We, did, um, we didn't trust her. We did sort of, you know, suspect she was going to make trouble and we sort of no. didn't give her much of her humanity and that's like no it. one else in the house really. Yeah, exactly. Reader's feeling guilty, but yeah, we... Yeah. we Rita is very much kind of of us in this episode, isn't she? She's the one that has probably the most real reaction towards Eden. You know, like she was devastated and was blaming herself for not being kind to Eden, which I think we all can (laughs) empathise with. And we've read your um, comments. We know you did the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) And um, the same when Eden's father was in the room, and we'll get to that in a minute, but um, she had to leave the room because she was so upset. Exactly. And, um, And later on in that beautiful moment with Nick and June, she was the one watching from the door and that was us watching from the door. Mm. So I Mm. I feel like her reactions were very much like us. And if I can extend that further, I'd like to think that we all would have planned a fantastic escape. (laughs) (laughs) We all were party to that one. Yeah, we'll take credit for that too. We have to cop the guilt of Eden. Yeah, Um, I think that we've all misjudged Eden and we're all feeling a little bit guilty for that. But in a way, her legacy in this season is that she's motivated the women in the Watford household to have the revelations that they're having yeah, in this right. in this episode and there's good coming from that well at least we hope so readers obviously feeling remorse that she I th- think she kind of quote says treated Eden like I shit, like yeah. shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. and realizing that she was was just a, a, child, a child and an innocent essentially and a victim of Gilead and that sort of children are in need of help in this society and mm. they're not fully responsible for their actions. And I think that's that's the trigger that's happening with Rita. And it took June to have to explain to Serena how Serena should be feeling because, of course, Serena <laughs> doesn't have normal reactions. Well, um, and the idea is that Eden wasn't just writing letters. She was trying to understand the Bible. And I think that's what connected with Serena yeah. in that she's saying it's about mm. the word of God and, you know, June lands that classic line of, like, she can't even read, read it. it yeah. So mm. how is she expected to adopt it? Like, what sin? Yeah. <laughs> what sin did she commit if the writing is through the lens of trying to understand the laws of Gilead? Because as you mentioned last week, Katie, like, the Bible is the, the legal law. document. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When June finds the Bible and takes it to Serena, she's realising that even in a privileged household like the Waterfords, Eden and Holly, baby Holly, can't be protected from the blind cruelty of Gilead society. And she really had to open up Serena's eyes to that. Because Serena's coping method is clearly... Gardening. (laughs) (laughs) Gardening, but also blaming the victim. She found a way to sort of make Eden guilty for her own death. Yeah. um, Which I thought was quite shocking. Although she was pain So Serena's so weird because you see her being actually affected. We Mm. saw her in the pool really struggling with what was happening. We Mm. saw her when um, Eden's dad came to the house, you know, being affected far more than Fred was anyways. But, yeah, when she speaks to June about it, she sort of puts back this front and she's... She's always struggling within herself. I think that completely fits Mm. with her character. I think that she sort of can't handle these dark thoughts and so she finds a way to make them go away. And so if she can blame Eden for that, then great, that's been compartmentalised and now she can can move on with her gardening. Mm. (laughs) Well, that's how you stay 
sane. Relatively yeah, sane, yeah, 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 in Gilead. I mean, you do have to kind of rationalise. It's the new normal kind of thing. If you blame the person for their downfall, then you're, you know, you're safe. <laughs> yeah. You just keep and your child will be yeah. safe. Yeah, yeah. yeah right, You can exactly. shrug it off. And, and to give Serena credit, she changes her mind. That's her initial yeah. position, mm. but the conversation with June in the greenhouse makes her change her mind and decide to take a political stand, to return to the political stage of which she was such a big part in pre-Gilead society. She so. really hadn't realised how much she'd lost, I think. Um, Until I, she lost the finger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, Fred said that she had to be reminded of her place. Yeah. And unfortunately, there is something in that because she was so used to having a voice, being the author of books, and, and she thought that she had given it up. She thought that she had agency in giving it up. You know, she said in a previous episode that I gave that up mm. for you and I gave that up because I wanted a baby. She didn't give it up. It was taken away from her. And I don't think that she fully copped onto that because she still thought that she could change. She still thought if she could create a women's collective of wives that they could go speak to their husbands and they could affect change. And then mm. we saw how they were treated, you know, like I think it has taken the removal of a finger for her to finally realise that she really doesn't have no role here. And I think that we saw that when Fred and Serena were left talking in the corridor afterwards. And for me, it was um, it was very similar to when we saw them in a previous flashback episode where we saw Serena speaking at a college. And, and back then, Fred and Serena were equals and they were talking together about how to best approach this, you know, and how to best strategize. Mm. And I think Serena thought that relationship between them was still there. Mm. And as we found out... It really, Most it really is not. Mm. So I'm wondering when they got back to the house and Fred took her to the bed, he put a ring on the bedside table. Oh, and to me, yeah. it looked like a masculine wedding band. And I was like, what, what yeah. is happening here? Is he, are we being signaled that maybe Serena is no longer going to be his wife? Because she's so now, you know, I didn't think it was his ring. Well, See, I, I thought it was his ring. I just yeah. assumed it was her so, ring because she's, you know, just had surgery. But then it doesn't, re- yeah, it kind of looks like a masculine does, wedding yeah. ring. Although I haven't what noticed do we- previously do the women wear men's rings. Or- yeah, we haven't yeah. seen much. Mm. Um, it's very much a simple time though, isn't it? I don't think she'd have an ostentation on too, yeah. ring. They are very male-female roles. Like you would think this, there It'd is the adornment. looking ring. I don't know. So, uh, yeah, I'm wondering, is he going to now send her off to the colonies or what's oh. happened? <laughs> is she no longer worthy of being his wife? Exactly. I don't know. He I just saw that he had sorry that he had effectively controlled her. He likes a woman he can control, and he put her back in his place. And now he's. Yeah. So what was the, yeah, what was the point of that very he's, certain close up on the ring going yeah. on? That, That's a know. good point. That's a metaphorical of the breakdown of their marriage. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, I he went more in it. No, he, he went off to make her a cup of tea. I don't think he's going to send her to the colonies oh, I don't think after he's that. Because <laughs> he cares all that much. <laughs> I feel like he's a man that likes to publicly follow protocol, and he's followed protocol in this situation and had allowed her to have her finger removed as also, per the law for the public appearances. And his mates, yeah. you know, that look what I've done to my wife. Because they did all look to him. Like yeah. when they yeah. came in, what have you done now, He Fred? likes protocol, but he doesn't like his women, you know, making him look like a fool yeah. in public. And this has happened several times. I yeah, think that he's the, had runaway handmaid. He's had... Yeah. Mischievous runoff. Um, what Eden? It, yeah, Eden, like I don't know, guardian yeah. wife. Yeah, she, <laughs> yeah. what was Under her actual title? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, now Serena's in on it. Yeah, it's. I so, think the um, so the loss of her finger is the sort of public display of their relationship and where that's at, and the ring, which I still am thinking is uh, Serena's. The ring falling on the table is the 
private display of uh-huh. where their marriage is mm-hmm. at. Right. Mm. Yep, nice. I like that. Right. I feel like we need to go back for all the episodes and <laughs> check out. Oh, wow. yes. <laughs> to play company woman, you can at SBS on demand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I observed that while all the women in the household are being affected and acting on the death of Eden, Nick is also obviously having a very strong reaction to her death, but we don't really get to see what's really going on with him. Mm. I think we're deliberately being kept at a distance from Nick and his reaction because this is a story about the women. Yeah, I don't think it's really about Gilead. Yeah, Yeah. And I thought that was was just an interesting choice to make because... It's I think, very deliberate. Like, yeah, it's yeah. a deliberate choice. You you kind of usually expect to to get the man's point of view in great detail, and it's interesting <laughs> when you're actually pulled back and you don't get their yeah, story curious, or their inward story. But yeah. wait, you sort of realize how primed you are for that, and I'm so primed for like Nick to come in and save the day, uh, yeah. you know. And so I really liked that he took a back seat in this yeah. episode, and that he had his role to play, but it was a small role, and it was just a push back on Fred's shoulder and just a touch of his gun, and that was like. <laughs> That was Nick being, you know, kind of the strong, silent type. Yeah. But I, I still keep waiting for the man to save the day. Yeah, I'm so you, wrong show. Wrong yeah. show, lady. Yeah. You know, because Rita saved the day. I love that, but it's not. Yeah. Rita yeah. did save the day. Yeah, Rita yeah. saved yeah. the day. This is a show about women, about what's happening to them, and then about them saving themselves. And I just think that's fantastic. Yeah. On the Nick moment, that moment where June and Nick got to hold their baby for the first and last time, as it happens Ooh. in hindsight. And June is showing him and says she loves him. He doesn't say it back. And I was thinking, have he and Rita had, does he know what's about to happen? Because so, he was in on is it. He, he gave the June the nod. Or, you know, he's focused on his baby at that moment. <laughs> I think maybe they'd had a, another conversation about what are we going to do about this. I assume that was Nick had time. to know, right? Because Nick... Nick knew to respond immediately. He had to either have known about the entire plan or at least have known that what to do when the time came because he clearly knew to go inside the house, go straight upstairs, make sure that Fred is contained. So Mm. he had had his role. So, uh, yeah, I wonder how much Nick actually knew. Yeah. 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 Orchestrated. Yeah, I think he was in on it, but obviously it's Rita and the Martha's moment to shine in this episode. It's so great having... um, watched the Marthas sort of sit in the background for the whole series. I mean, we've had little hints throughout the series that the Marthas have been involved in the resistance previously. I think back when the explosion happened, there was a reference to lots of Marthas being hung. They're they're obviously also the scapegoat in a lot of situations, but they clearly are able to network in Gilead in a way that the handmaids aren't. So we've had these little hints that something might be stirring in the Marthas and it's so cool to see it actually happen. A Martha with a baby doesn't arouse suspicion because they they are left with the babies when the wives, you know, are otherwise... Yeah, exactly, (laughs) having tea and talking about how great it is to be a wife in Gilead. Or not. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that in and of itself doesn't arouse suspicion. Um, but it is interesting. We saw more Marthas this time because they had their epic moment. And, mm. um, yeah, lots of different ethnic backgrounds, yeah. lots of different ages. Because we had wondered, we had seen mostly black Marthas up until yeah. that point and we wondered whether that was a specific choice to mirror the racist history yeah, of America. Yeah, for sure. It seemed like a reference back to slavery. Yeah, when we saw Marthas from different ethnic backgrounds in this episode, I think that reference is being made, but obviously we're in Gilead, we're not in historical America and things are different now, but those elements are still at play. Another connection to history, though, that just came to mind was with the Martha sort of helping June escape and, and every so often she reaches a new one, it made me think of whether they were sort of, in a way, recreating the Underground Railroad. Have you guys heard about Yeah. Right, okay, so we learn about it in North American history, of course. Uh, I haven't, tell me. Okay, so the Underground Railroad, 
Railroad was a network of people in America who were helping slaves reach freedom in Canada. Mm. And so you'd go from these outposts to outposts. And I don't know too much about it. I don't want to pretend to be an expert. But it kind of seemed like that. The Marthas were these, you know, they were meeting June along the way to shuffle her off to freedom. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And so there even was a train. There was actually a deliberate train scene. Yeah. When ah. she was when she was hiding in the bushes and there was anyway, it's sort of Yeah, like and when a, she reconnected with Emily, yeah, train yeah. went overhead. Oh, you're right. <laughs> and I, it was a, a freight train. I was thinking, oh, people can see you, but no, it was a freight train. <laughs> also, I thought and, as well of um, French resistance as well, oh, sort of across yeah, yeah, the backyards yeah. and very everyday. Right. Yeah, so it's probably a combination of the two and more throughout history that we're not aware of probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah just everyday acts of people you wouldn't suspect who wear the grey, who kind of hover, you know, they're kind of mm-hmm. chameleons, just these Because the Marthas are the ones enormous that they don't pay any attention to them, you yeah. know. They don't ever notice what they're doing, where they are, how they're feeling. You know, it's only if suddenly they're not there to find the tea. Yeah. <laughs> like, case in point, they didn't notice that Rita swigged the champers at that dodgy I, baby shower. Yes, right <laughs> in front of them. She did. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, and we heard um, the professor at one point screaming where for where his Martha was because he needed help in the kitchen or whatever. And we heard a couple of scenes later, Fred also screaming for where Rita was. And I suspect they were off, you know, scheming to get this plot off the ground. But yeah, they're only really referenced in relation to how they can help. Yeah. And before knowing where they would have been, it was a nice moment of just showing the ineptitude of these men not knowing <laughs> where the tea bags are <laughs> in their goddamn household. And clearly those scenes came on to take I think greater again, importance throughout. We've talked about it before, but like they do have their own personal choices within their household that other people don't have to know. And it's one thing for Gilead to say, you must have a slave in your house who does all your housework. It's another thing to actually be in that house and enforce it. You know, yeah. and clearly mm. they all are. Well, that maybe brings us to Lawrence, mm. his, his household, where he's a little more lax on the uh, yeah. rules of Gilead. <laughs> yeah, because he didn't know where his Martha was. I think her name was Cora. He didn't know where Cora was. But uh, how much did he know? Because clearly he had that well, exactly. pivotal role in the end. So, yeah, that's one thing, yeah. We, that's one thing we don't know, which sort of brings forth a question for me, which was this was a huge planning event. Like there is a whole other series, like an offshoot <laughs> of The Handmaid's Tale, which is just about the Martha's Revenge, you know? Like, and so I, I, like would, I would totally watch 10 episodes of that. And this clearly was a really big deal. It's been in the planning for a while. They had tracked the whole line through people's backyards and they'd cut out fences. And this thing has taken a while to plan. How many people are actually involved? And was all that effort just for June and the baby, you know, like who else? Was who it else a wider Gilead effort to get more mm. out that night? Ooh. Well, there's obviously a lot of people involved in this because Emily comes into this at the end of the story Yeah, when um, Commander Lawrence drops her off at the underpass to get into the van as well. So how does Commander Lawrence know that this van is here at this particular time ready mm-hmm. to take away the yeah. handmaid? You know, is part of the resistance? Well, well, maybe is his, his Martha mar- telling him things? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, in light of events with Aunt Lydia... <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, my gosh. We haven't yes, even yeah. spoken about, about that yet. Yeah. <laughs> we buried this for so long. But, you know, the Martha is the first to see. So yeah. maybe that yeah, then right. sets off a chain of events that because gets Emily out. Because we did see in the previous episode that his Martha, Cora, was actually, she actually talked back to him in a yeah. way that was quite shocking yeah. and in a way that we haven't really seen in Gilead. So clearly mm. the rules were different in his household. Yeah. And so, yeah, perhaps that is. Perhaps the two of them were actually conspiring together. And um, yeah. I did read an interview with Bradley Whitford and he said when he was getting in the mindset of his character, 
character, it was in the mind of someone who had felt regret for his actions. Mm. And so we know that his character was the architect of the colonies. And we've seen how his wife has reacted mm. to that. And, um, and I think clearly he's also carrying that guilt. So that was his motivation for helping Emily. But yeah, yeah. they've both gone yeah. mad in their own ways, really. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe it puts new light on her act last week. Like maybe she's less enthused about his change of heart. Oh, right. Do you <laughs> I don't think? know. Oh. I don't know. Maybe that's for speculation later on series three. <laughs> All right. Well, do we think Lydia's dead? Is Aunt Lydia dead? Nah, you can't kill off Lydia. <laughs> I mean, it's a hell of a thing in your series a, finale if you do that, but just yeah, a, we just can't a, lose Andowd. It's just a tiny knife in the back. Of, <laughs> yeah, you can recover from the kicks hey, and if, fall if, down the stairs. If Fred She's an older woman, you know, like, you know. Just if, a flesh wound. Okay. If Fred can survive the explosion from earlier in the series, right. then she can, she can survive a knife. Do we want to be without Unlydia and Gilead? <laughs> God, what? no. Yeah, this is the thing. <laughs> is that, like, I'm so, I was really surprised by my reaction to when Emily stabbed Aunt Lydia because in the beginning of this season... I hated Aunt Lydia so much, yeah. you know, mm. and from the very first episode, she was absolutely the villain. Yes. Mm. Um, she had all of the handmaids up in Fenway Park and they all thought they were about to be hung and that was horrifying. She then um, handcuffed their hands to gas stove tops to oh burn God, them. Oh, God, that's a punishment. Yeah. Yeah. Chained um, up a pregnant handmaid yes, who yep. refused to eat. But you felt but, sorry I mean, for her in that moment yeah, being so stabbed, like, did you? Like her list of horrors is long and brutal, you know. Um, but, yeah, I, I really did feel sorry for her. And I just thought, how has this show done this to me? Um, but I, I do think that because she's been such a pivotal character, if she was dead, we wouldn't be asking, is she dead? Surely yeah, it would right. be it would be so final that we would know for sure. Yeah. It'd be oh my god they killed off Aunt Lydia in the yeah, finale. Right. Mm. So yeah. I'm actually kind of not sorry, you know. I'm kind of glad <laughs> she's coming back in season three and I'm still dealing with this. I think I need some therapy. <laughs> what has Gilead done to you? <laughs> I know. Yes, I also felt a bit sorry for Aunt Lydia in that moment, but I don't I don't know why. I, you know, she just the moment previous she had said to um, Emily, it's, it's like, like I cut, cut off your tongue, tongue. Where in fact she had cut off her clit. Like she is a horrific woman. Yeah, mm. at least she can get is a knife in the back. <laughs> and a punch and a kick and a, all the rest of <laughs> yes. it that happened. Yeah, it was pretty thorough. Although, and you know what, in that situation, surely, I mean, you might be driven to do the exact same. Emily oh. has gone through so much, hasn't she? She has. Um, she's really been put through the ringer in this, even though even though The Handmaid's Tale is clearly all about June, it is through Emily that we see a whole bunch of other horrors as well. So. Well, I think the way they've told June and Emily's stories, and it's horrific for no matter who you are as a handmaid, yeah. but, you know, June has found love and she's been able to stay with the person she fell in love with, whereas Emily's was a mm. Martha that she yeah. fell for, yeah, and she was hung. Emily has always had the worse outcome for the same kind of storylines as yeah. June. So it's nice that here they crossed and then Emily gets out with mm-hmm. the baby. So yeah. it was kind of like a nice oh, meeting of their stories. Emily deserves a happy ending. Oh, God, and if yeah. I could see a little bit of that in season three as well, I'll be very grateful. Yeah, I dare say we'll um, we'll see a bit of how they're getting on, presumably in Canada. Should we talk about June's decision not to go? Dun, 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 dun. I think we might have to. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> what do we make of it? I was so angry about it. Yeah, I really just wanted to throw a brick at the television. Just get the hell out of there. Oh, yeah. my God. You've been through <laughs> yeah. hell already. I mean, but she can't leave. Come on. Yeah, she, I she has for the, yeah. you know, story arc, she can't. But, God, I just love would love to see her be free and happy at some point in the near future. <laughs> I was I was all cheers. I was cheering for her when she mm. didn't get in the van. I was just like, yes, you have to stay. You have to get Hannah 
right decision. Mm. She, yeah, she does. Like that scene right before, like they were really sort of eking this moment out yeah. and um, it felt like those last two minutes felt like 20. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah they dragged yeah. it out, especially yeah. with yeah. Serena's prayer to the baby as June's trying to leave and I I'm know. like, wrap it up, girlfriend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> did a bit of that. So like, yeah, okay. she did have a bit of a look around being yeah. like, oh. And they had a flashback to Hannah right before June yes. had to make that decision and it was a, fi- it was a beautiful scene of like, June singing a song to Hannah and Hannah laughing and Luke watching on and it was and like that was probably the scene for me where I sort of cried buckets <laughs> but um so like Haiti like you're absolutely right I don't think that June can leave like you like you can't you can't leave Hannah behind in that hellscape you mm-hmm. know and once she's out of Gilead there's no way she could come back for Hannah like that's, yeah, that's yeah, it, her, yeah. that door closes but now also remaining within Gilead where the hell does she go now does she seriously go back to the Waterford house like well what? I mean she knows there's a commander who's a yeah. resistor so I mean it's the first time she's met Lawrence she doesn't know exactly where well, he is and right. that car's driven off into the distance but that's a possible in. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, to go otherwise, to... what's she doing? She's hiding in the backyards behind the garbage well, exactly. cans. Because yeah, I, I figure, <laughs> yes, she's she's staying to you know go deeper into Gilead to you know form out mm. rebellion some more. Mm. But how the hell is she going to keep yeah. her head on well, her shoulders now? We know that her only avenue to Hannah at the moment is is Fred. So even though we've had word from Bruce Miller that the Waterford household may not stick around, at the moment is her only avenue to get back to Hannah. So it's the connection she has to keep or as well. Maybe the professor can help. Maybe he's connected. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. we'll see. Well, I mean, a, we'll engage in some wild speculation uh, at a later point. That was a choice she had to make, which is for Hannah, is she better off going to Canada and surviving and trying to get her from there? Right. Or is she better off staying, staying to try and get her out of Gilead? But really, like June's at such great risk now. There's only so many times you can try and break free. Well, exactly. And even though she's a very much a wanted handmaid in the sense of like families want her to have their baby. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's now very much a wanted handmaid as well. A wanted yeah. poster. Of, yeah. I'd like to suggest that maybe she's now got an ally in Serena because we saw a big change Mm. in Serena Mm. as June was leaving the household with the baby and she ran into Serena and Serena initially wanted her to stay to keep the baby and then she decides that she's okay with letting June take the baby away to take her to safety, to take her to a better future. Yeah. And that is a massive turnaround that for the woman another... who is only here because she wants a baby. Yeah, yeah that's true. You know, that was yeah. another nod to leverage in this episode as well. Like yeah. June was leveraging Serena's she was. love of children yeah. and her need for them to, you know, believe the children are the future, yeah. the way she uh, played is too strong a word and too judgy, but, you know, she did yeah, rely on sincerity that. In, yeah, in there absolutely was. Yeah, in yeah. Scene, yeah. But we know that she doesn't handle emotional trauma well. So June how, or Serena? Serena. Right. Uh, June. Oh, June. June's great. June's great. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Textbook way to handle yeah. it. So I don't know that Serena is that for June because June can actually blackmail Serena. June's got something on her now because Serena took part in getting a girl out of Gilead. Oh. So um, mm. I think that... In terms of leverage, June now has something over Serena. Um, Although yeah. surely they're both as guilty on that front, really. I think this will bring them closer together. They've both got stakes in Baby Holly now. and yeah. June was very nice to Serena, almost too nice for my taste. <laughs> but, um, Same. She, like, she showed a lot of kindness and trust in letting Serena say goodbye to Nicole. Mm. And she said blessings to you, Serena, as well, which was, I thought, also very kind. Mm. We all know that I'm very anti-Serena. I think I didn't even like seeing any part of that kindness for <laughs> well, her. Well, yeah, I was a bit nervous when she took the baby. I was like, oh, God, what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah, so. And yeah. then also, she's, also um, June said to Emily her name is Nicole. Yes. yes. Interesting. Why has she chosen that? What happened yeah. to Holly? Well, I was thinking about that. I think in Gilead... 
all you have is memories and all you can kind of do is just help foster those memories. And I think, you know, she referenced her mum so strongly in the birth episode and gave her her name, inherited that so that she was still alive in some way in in the next generation. But I think in, in getting out... She's kind of need to establish her own identity in the outside world. And I think it's a nod to Nick as well. I mean, he's not going to see this baby, you know, until who knows when, if at all. Yeah, Um, which is a very good spot. I did not realise that Nicole was... Oh, the male. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which kind of is interesting as well because, like, in Gilead, handmaids get inherit, but, you know, forcibly. Of, yeah. yeah, the male householder name. So, of Fred and of Glenn. This of is a more of an exe- acceptable version is, of that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's all <laughs> consent. The parents want to do it. Yeah. It's just interesting that, you know, it's Makes a male version of the a real, name. Real yeah. Word. <laughs> yeah. And one thing we haven't talked about either is Eden's father dobbing her in. <sighs> I was really shocked by that. And the interesting thing was that Serena was quite shocked by it as well. Yes. So I think that was another another one of those pivotal moments for her for realising mm. that Gilead is perhaps even worse than she had engineered yeah, it to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like and Fred at one point asks about his second daughter and I was yep. like, what the hell are you, oh my God, why yeah. are you asking? And I think that's what sets a lot of the wheels turning. Like, you know, we said opening this episode, there's the idea of legacy and what you leave behind. And I think for June, the idea of getting out She's out, but what then what has she done for the women and the children right. and mm. all the girls within Gilead? Sort of like she's out, but there's not there's no marker. Yeah. Um, so I think that really plays heavily into her idea of staying. And, and I think that we saw from all the Luke and Moira scenes, there really is not much they can do in Canada. Yeah, yeah that's like, true. I actually yeah. sort Although of kept, Jean doesn't know that. I kept but. waiting for this sort of massive resistance. Like I thought external forces might actually come in, but they really didn't at all. And um, Luke and Moira instead are sort of left trying to pick up the pieces in mm. Canada and move on. And so I think in that way it has been shown to us that perhaps June was right to stay because – to bring it down, you're going to have to bring it down from Be within. Deep on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. Can I backtrack for a sec? Um, back to the scene in the kitchen with Fred and June, and he's you know trying to tell her she can stay if she can continue being his yeah. easy lay, I guess. He says, we could try again. We could try mm. for a boy this time. Uh, yes. Yeah. So on two counts, I was like, hang on, but you know that baby ain't yours. Do you know that you're not fertile? Anyways, so there's that. But then also it occurred to me, do we know of any baby boys in Gilead? We've had baby Angela. We've mm, had baby yeah. Holly. Mm-hmm. Eden is a girl and her sister is a girl. Yeah. I've never seen male children running around. There were all boys. <laughs> yeah, right. They're being trained. They're to all commanders in training, yeah. Right. There was the episode in season one when the Mexican dignitaries came and they had that banquet and they brought all the children in as a, as a big right. show, Serena's oh, yeah. in, yeah. instigation. Uh, um, yeah. There were boys there, I'm pretty sure. I think so. Because the girls it, were in their pink dresses and the boys were in their right. little I was suits. actually thinking about that scene back from all those mm. episodes ago. I know. Um, There's a lot of living in between. <laughs> yeah, right? It does feel like a long, long time ago. <laughs> but one of the things that always struck me in that scene was when Aunt Lydia had all of the handmaids lined up and Serena actually picked out the ones which hadn't been dismembered. Yep. Um, and Aunt Lydia was very upset about it, you know, because she loves all of her girls mm. and the punish- <laughs> in and like, a weird way. The punishment she which she has put on them, you know, she sort of felt For justified and that she had to do it. But Serena clearly knows it and she said something about liking them to like you wouldn't put the bad apples at the top <laughs> yeah. of the basket or something like that. And I thought that was just another way of showing us how complicit Serena has been in all of this and that she knows the punishment that's being doled out to these handmaids but clearly she's there for the rape of her handmaid I mean yeah, yeah. right yeah. but yeah but it took um wanting a girl to read a bible to mm. be the yeah. thing that actually wanted her yeah. to affect mm. some change and well, which made her one of those bad apples because now she's lost a finger well, exactly. as a result of it um. yeah I think this also goes back to something that Bruce Miller mentioned in the interview we had 
where one of the reasons this world is so powerful and so terrifying is that it is a possible reality. It is close enough to reality that it's believable. So Serena is just a a person acting on her own beliefs and convictions and prejudices and making decisions about her life within that sphere. And her religious conviction and her traditional family values and her right-leaning politics aren't necessarily that far removed from people we see in American society today. Mm-hmm. And not just American either. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not outside of belief that one of those people, the Ann Coulters, the Tommy Lorenz of the world, could end up down a path similar to Serena's, oh. you know, like... There were a lot of white women who voted for Trump. And if you go on social media now, there are a lot of people, male and female, who agree with the separation of children at the border. You know, like, yeah, it's all of the horrible things that Serena has done build up to this villainous character. But when you break it down to her individual actions, I can picture someone in her situation making those decisions. I think, like I said some episodes ago, Serena is also an every woman, perhaps a sort of right-leaning conservative every woman, where June is a left-leaning Oh, God, I hope every people woman. don't mind <laughs> complaining about that comparison. That's, that's what, think that's so. what makes it so compelling. Yeah, yeah, that's right. what makes Serena such a great villain. Yeah, there is complexity mm, to her in yeah. light and shade. And, yeah, that's why we love this show. All right, I think that about covers it. I don't know. There's so much in this episode. (laughs) But there is so much, in fact, that um, we've recapped the finale. But we'll be back next week with a recap of the entire season two and our thoughts and theories and wild speculation about series three. And um, on that, we'd love to hear from you. You're very active on Twitter and we love that. So um, hit us up with some of your best, worst, the most talkable. Yeah, theories. We love the theories um, (laughs) across this season of The Handmaid's Tale. So on that, if you want to seek me out on Twitter, I am at anything but Fifi. Uh, Natalie, where can we find you? I'm on Twitter at Natalie Hambly. Sana, where can we find you? I'm at Sana underscore Kadar, Q-A-D-A-R. Uh, I live in a well without internet reception. I'm not on social. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to comment for Haiti, tweet one of us and we'll pass it on. Thank you so much. It's, it's been great having the whole panel here, actually. Oh, it's nice yeah. to have you back, Sana. Yeah. yeah. Happy to be back. Yeah. So Natalie, Haiti and Sana, thank you so much. Here's where I would say tune into uh, The Handmaid's Tale on Thursdays, SBS On Demand and SBS... But there ain't no more. That was the last episode. I'm so not ready for this to be over. (laughs) I know. Um, So if you want to go back and revisit the whole thing, the entire season two is available to binge at SBS On Demand. And if you head to SBS Guide, sbs.com.au slash guide, you'll find some episode recaps. And we're also giving some recommendations of other things you can get hooked on as you await (laughs) the next season of The Handmaid's Tale. Eyes on Gilead is produced by Dan Barrett and edited and mixed by Jeremy Wilmot. And as June scrawled so memorably on her bedroom wall, don't let the bastards grind you down. Praise be. <laughs> <laughs>